this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. We are broadcasting live from the Safety Focus Moment Studios in Orlando, Florida. This is the Jay Allen Show. This is the show that you claim that you wanted to hear. So I always love that I get the opportunity to interview some very interesting people that are out there. And this week, we're going to speak to some people that are out there in the safety world. Now, the interesting portion here is this part right here, when I'm talking right now, we're in Orlando, Florida, having the conversation. But I'm going to play a recording for you that I did while I was in Concord, North Carolina, right on the outskirts of Charlotte. And you're probably sitting there going, why are you playing a recording for me? That's okay. I appreciate you asking. I really do. I was actually out at Fisher Improvement Technologies. And I got to sit down with Justin Fisher, Ray Fisher, and Rob Fisher. And I sat down and I wanted to have a conversation with them related to how everything started with them actually starting off a company and with them all being related. How does the relationships work there? I also wanted to talk about a technology that they use. It's called Advanced Error Reduction in Organizations, also known as Arrow. So enjoy that interview here today on The Jay Allen Show. The more you listen, the more we get into your head. Safety, Safety. FM. Anyways, I'm here at Fisher Improvement Technologies, and I am with the three Fishers that are currently in the building. Have Ray over here on my left-hand side, Justin almost directly in front of me, and Rob Fisher. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome to the AeroHP.com studios here in Concord, North Carolina. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Thanks well, for being here. Well, I appreciate you guys actually having me here, but I wanted to sit down with you because as we speak as of today, I've actually done an interview with Rob on the air and I've done an interview with Ray on the air. But Justin, we have not had the privilege of doing so. And of course, I'm going to torture you a little bit once we actually get to it. But I wanted to have a conversation because... I kind of got a little bit of the backstory of how you guys fell for Arrow and fell in love once again and reignited your brothership <laughs> or your brotherhood, better saying. But I wanted to have the conversation on as you guys started to expand the relationship once again because of the falling out that occurred, how have things worked up to this point? How have things been so far in regards to now having the interaction and working together and then, of course, bringing Justin into the mix? So whoever wants to take it first. Well, um, you know, I, I think you hear a lot and read about how difficult family businesses are. And um, I think that, that you, really have to, you really have to commit to that being what you want. In, in our case, it was almost less about the fact that people were just family and more about the fact that we had family that had talents and capabilities that the business that we were trying to expand could use. Um, you know, when, when Ray and I first started coming back together as brothers, that happened before um, 
before he got invited into the business. In fact, he probably came into the business several years later than we could have used him. Um, because as his brother, I wasn't going to say, Hey, why don't you quit your job and come to work for me? And as my brother, he wasn't going to say, Hey, uh, I sure would like to come to work for you. Even though he was using our technology very successfully, you know, out in his professional life. Um, so, you know, you, you have to balance that understanding of, of work and family in, in a small business. There's not a lot of separation. I mean, you know, my business partner in another life, Lewis senior. And I talk about this all the time is that in our brains and my wife says this as well, it's not like your brain ever shuts down on the business because it's the way our family makes its livelihood. So the fact that something may pop into your head and we're at a family gathering and it pops out of your mouth has been something that, that we've accepted for a long time, but it's something that other people need to get used to. And Ray, Ray was the same way, you know, coming in. Yeah. I don't think he ever thought that we'd ask him to move to North Carolina because he was living happily in Florida. But I think that one of the very first things that in our business we did ask those people who happen to be our family members was to ask Ray and Jody to move here. This is where the business is run and to ask Justin that if you really want to be part of the business and part of the future, this is where the business and future is going to run. So I think one of the very first things that we did that was tough for a family business was to ask people to uproot for the, for the betterment and the, and the potential growth of the business. And, and we, struggled over it and thought of thought long and hard over it before we did that. And then eventually when, when we, we really wanted them and they really wanted us, then we broached that. Yeah. To, to add to that, it, um, for, for my wife, Jody and I, it was a difficult decision to make. I mean, we had lived in the same house for 15 years in Orlando. Uh, we had a great group of friends that were more like family than anything we had down there because we were the only ones that lived down there. I mean, we came up on holidays and saw Rob and the rest of the family and Tracy and Justin and, and Brianna. And we got to, we did our family get togethers. We never envisioned ourselves moving, uh, moving away from Florida. We loved living there, but it was a very difficult decision and and what I do have to do is give Rob and Tracy a lot of credit because when they put that proposal out to make the move it was it was our decision whether to do it or not to do it and it was a difficult decision to make it was the right decision to make but they also gave us the time to make the decision it wasn't hey this you got 2 weeks we talked about it in February and they said, Hey, we'd like you up there by June. So we had plenty of time to make the decision. It became a little easier. Our daughter had just graduated college. She was living on her own. She had her own apartment and, uh, but was in the process of trying to get herself to live over in Japan as well, which we were helping her with, but it was a difficult transition, but ultimately the absolute right one further to what Rob said about separating the family and the business for me early on, that was difficult because for a long time, the brother relationship wasn't 
wasn't there. And then when I got the brother relationship back, I really craved it. And then once the whole transition of family member slash employee started to transpose and, and come to light, the brother relationship kind of slid to the back and I had some difficulties at that, but we had some really, we had what we call crucial conversations about it and we talked about it and we talked it out and in reality what we kind of did thinking back to it was we used the technology that we talk about today we went through a kind of a self and team awareness and a shared vision and values on what we wanted that relationship to look like now i've rob and i had a conversation the other day in his office i'm at a point now where i'm okay with the way things are number one I'm starting to thrive in this organization. And I think that's been pretty evident over the last six or seven months of what I've been able to step up and do to help move the organization to the next level. This is The Jay Allen Show. Enjoy some of your favorite hosts in the safety world. Enjoy shows by Sheldon Primus, Blaine J. Hoffman, Jill James, Mike Sedham, Rob Fisher, Todd Conklin, and Jay Allen. And we're back with the Fishers from AeroHP.com here on the Jay Allen Show. Now, prior to you moving here and accepting the job, was there any concerns at the time that the relationship between you and Rob would go back to what it once was? Like, was there any kind of fear to to that level? No, I don't. I don't think so because we had we had rebuilt it pretty strongly, and we did try to get together a lot more um, as families, and everybody, you know, everybody be included in that. So, Justin, I have to ask you, of course, for, for the listeners that might not know, you are Rob's son. And so I would imagine that you got to hear about this technology or this hop thing for a long period of time going, okay, this is what my dad talks about. Do I really care? And then all of a sudden to be invited into the business, how did the transition work and how did it work for you? Uh, the transition was, was pretty easy for me. I actually didn't know a whole lot about the hop space <laughs> okay. or human performance. All I knew was... Uh, that my dad traveled a lot and worked somewhere in the quote unquote safety sphere. Um, I really didn't have any details about what hop or HP was. He really was a secret agent. He just wasn't telling anyone. I actually, <laughs> I thought that for quite a while. Um, but uh, no, I was at a, I was at a point in my life where um, I, it was easy for me to, uh, to leave the job that I was working for at the time Um didn't have a significant other. So when he offered to have me move to North Carolina and join the team in 2013, uh, I jumped at the opportunity and quickly realized how powerful the technology that he, uh, that he was speaking about was. Uh, so I kind of just launched myself into it, started learning as much as I could. Um, and now at this point, I'd say I'm about as fluent as Rob or Ray or anybody else in the organization, any of our consultants is, uh, with, with our technology. So, so and, how, and where were you actually located before you actually moved to North Carolina? Uh, I was from the smallest capital in the U.S., Montpelier, Vermont, uh, totaling about, I think it was when I was there, 7,300 people. Wow, the wow. only capital with no McDonald's. <laughs> the only capital with no McDonald's. And wow, no, mark and that no down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I can, I can kind of second that, that 
There was never, and this kind of shows a little bit of, of some of the family separation and business separation because to me, if he wasn't interested in the core concepts of what I was doing, I wasn't going to try and push it on him. So for decades, I mean, I, I was content with if he was happy with me going out and doing whatever it was I did, and I was happy with him doing what he did, we just we just got along as father and son. But I knew that he had some I knew he had some talents that we could probably use. And when it seemed like he was at a point where he he could make some decisions, um, I think bringing him in as both a, a very talented, fresh face that really gave us some critical looks. I mean, the, f- the fact that we have aero, advanced air reduction in organizations, was kind of Justin's invention of the – of our process to where do you, where do you go beyond human performance or human human organizational performance? What's the next step? And he really became what I like to call a student of the game. So after 25 plus years, I now had to prove to somebody very close to me that has a very questioning attitude, a very high detail response to things that, what we were doing, how we did it, the technology and the science that was behind it was both sound and usable for somebody that wasn't uh, wasn't part of that quote unquote safety space, and and he really did latch on to that, and he and even started producing some uh, challenges of where this isn't being used that could really be used that will probably shape the future of the company. Now, this goes to you, Justin. Now, my question to you, how difficult was you for at first when you started inside of the the company, family businesses is worded that way, for you to approach your father and say, hey, I have this idea and not look at it from the whole son. I call it the powdered butt syndrome. You can't normally give advice to somebody who's powdered your butt because it becomes very difficult for the person. So how was that first approach of having to have that interaction? In the beginning, it was very difficult because I was so far from outside the space. I had spent the majority of my, uh, my work time working in, uh, restaurants, managing restaurants and bars, managing retail locations, um, just kind of working in that space. So I felt very much an outsider Uh, And I was immediately thrown into, um, I was put into other workshops that FIT was running. So I was doing uh, the human performance advocate classes and um, working with the creation of e-colors and human performance right off of the bat. Um, I would almost say that's thrown to the wolves, right? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely thrown to the wolves. So I was very unsure uh, of when and where to kind of speak up. Uh, and it was actually through the e-colors technology uh, using personal intervention that allowed me to learn to hit my play button and actually speak up when I did have a thought and not just hold it inside. Um, and a lot of great things have come out of that. So as you're seeing this develop in these in the, the these future technologies, actually now that you guys are all three together, what are you seeing change-wise? And anybody could answer this because now that you have the dynamic of the different things that you're strong at, Rob, and you're strong at, Justin, and so and same for you, Ray, what do you guys see the dynamic now? Because I'll tell you, when I've walked into this building before, 
if you wouldn't have told me that Justin was your kid, I would have never known because you've never you never made a reference to it for it to, for him to be treated differently. And I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. I mean, and he refers to you as when when Justin is here, he refers to you as Rob. So there is not that confusion. And I'll tell you, in having conversations with other people in other organizations, that's normally not the case. Yeah. So I, w- I was really impressed on how you decided to do it that way. And not that, you know, nothing against the family, but I just thought that it was a, a different approach, a more interesting approach. Well, that. We, we made that distinction very early on uh, that when, when we're in work mode, you know, my dad is Rob. Um, and it's been pretty easy to, to keep that. And then we also know when we're talking business, even if we're at a family engagement, if I refer to him as Rob, he knows we're talking business uh, right then and there. And then, you know, after the business talk is over, he's dad again. <laughs> okay. um, so it, it fluctuates pretty easily. Yeah. And so how does it work for Uncle Ray over here? I've always just been Ray. It's kind of been a, a, a relationship with Justin that um, Justin was actually really close with uh, with our daughter as well. They have a they have a very good relationship. So Justin, to me, was kind of has always been an extension of my family, of course. But it's always it's always just a been a Ray and, and Justin thing. Well, I mean, um, we, we refer to each other as brother in passing. So. Yeah, yeah. So, and Ray is kind of the funkle, you know, the yeah. fun uncle in, in our, in our uh, whole I thought it meant something else, but I won't, I won't go there. <laughs> um, and, and like Justin said, well, what a lot of people don't know is, is our daughter, Brianna, has been our logistics coordinator for 12 years. So from the very start of coordinating one or two people up to now, all of the different consultants and all the different logistics. Um, but like Justin said, we, we turned the Rob and Justin and, and, and son and dad on and off. And we've, I think we've gotten pretty good at it. So yeah. sometimes we miss. But how does that work for you? Because I know Justin can turn around and say dad and Rob, but you're, you're his father. So you only say Justin regardless. So how yeah. does, how does that work for him? What is the trigger that he knows that it's Rob speaking and not dad? Well, sometimes I think I, I don't, I don't know that I think a lot about it, but back to personal intervention, I try to say, can we have a business discussion? So if we're with our families, that is that. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's what I, what I try to do. Do you have a minute to have a business discussion? I mean, Christmas Eve, we, we were all sitting around. We were thinking about something, and I just happened to think of something. I turned to Justin and said, "Hey, can we have a business quick bit?" Sure. We talked for one minute, and then boom, back back into Christmas Eve. Um, I think I think those are some of the easier things to deal with in in a family business environment. The hard things are when it, when it's hard. Um, just being a family uh, is harder. Um, I, I don't know how to really say it. The harder things are harder with family. So it's hard in a business, but it's even harder when it's family. This is the Jay Allen Show. So you're bored with what you're listening to and you think you need a little more? Because if you need a little more, I think I can help you. Everybody, Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation, and along with my buddy Jay Allen of Safety FM, we've done the unthinkable, and that is we put some of my books up on Audible. So if you gather information by listening to books on audio, you're in luck 
because three books are available right now. And if you're interested, you can pick them up. No problem at all. Workplace Fatalities, the new five principles of human performance, and my very first book called Simple Revolutionary Acts are all available for you to enjoy and ponder and argue and chew on, and they're, they're yours, and they're on Audible. Try them out. And we're back with the Fishers from AeroHP.com here on the Jay Allen Show. So when you look at it, do you go back and have the thought process then that it's difficult sometimes to make family decisions related to the, to the business or do you, or does one factor into the other? I mean, and I know that, you know, it's great to be able to separate, but can you really separate a hundred percent across the board where you go? Boom. No, I think it completely depends on the topic at hand uh, or, or what's happening. There's always going to be some kind of percentage lean one way or the other. Okay. I mean, I, I take it back to the discussion Rob and I had in his office the other day, and it was it was talking about the separation of family and business. And the bottom line is where we are now, anything that we do with our family is because of the business. So the business is what allows us to do the things that we do as a family. And we've grown as a family and as a business to kind of start to accept that as one because they're they're not mutually exclusive anymore so let's let's do this then let's take a deeper dive with the technology because you're using the technology for both relationships for your work relationship and also for your family relationship so tell me kind of the levels that you had to go through for the for the listeners of course at home to be able to understand the things that you had to implement for there to be the separation and for people to go this is how the technology works because of course we talk about arrow, but not everybody's familiar with it. So if we could just kind of list out a couple of things here, I think I'll go first just because, you know, the component of arrow that one of the components of arrow that really makes it stand above is the understanding of personality tendencies and not just how we communicate, but how we see and manage risk and how different individuals, um, approach things differently and need to be approached differently related to those things. I think first I had to be convinced that with all the different personality regimens out there, this was the one that I could see as a vision as being the foundation for how you put the individual personality tendencies into our task-based system. You know, every person on every task at any, at every time is surrounded by people, programs, processes, work environments, organization, equipment. But that individual will react to changes in that system based on their personality tendencies. And um, so the e-colors, the equilibria folks, had so much information on that that I was trying to gather uh, how real is that information. So I started trying to use it almost immediately. And that was right about the time that personal intervention became a thing for e-colors. So we started saying, well, look, if personal intervention's a thing, then uh, how does that work beyond just the personality tendency attributes? How can it become a gateway tool? Then I think all of us had a role in Super Bowl 51 in Houston. I think that was one of your first big, uh, Justin's first big forays into well, let's dive into this a little bit deeper. Let's get immersed into 
how the personality tendency attributes come into play. And he was very successful during the creation of the Super Bowl 51 uh, volunteer system, 10,000 Super Bowl volunteers, all using and understanding their personality tendencies to make it a better Super Bowl experience for the people. You want to talk about that a little bit? Um, I mean, for, for me, I when I was working around Super Bowl 51, I was mostly working with eColors in Education, which is a nonprofit um, that works with, with schools and teaches uh, children as young as seven, eight years old. Their eColors helps them understand themselves and others. Um, and I, I absolutely love that program. Uh, it reduces bullying. Um, graduation rates are skyrocketing. Uh, just watching, be, getting able to get to know these kids was just mind-blowing for me. Uh, if I would have had that technology when I was young, I, I can't even imagine where I'd be today. Um, but it's it's wonderful. If, if you guys haven't ever heard of it, please look up eColors in Education. I think it's org. org. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the Super Bowl, I, I worked with a bunch of kids, and we went to uh, a lot of lower income areas where they weren't necessarily able to have the big Super Bowl experience and give that to the community by holding big functions and parks. Um, and uh, we I think we visited four or five different parks around Houston. Um, and celebrated with a bunch you know, of people and had one a week for 14 weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's how much prep work it was done 14 weeks ahead of time. Uh, oh, we, we mm-hmm. were there nine months ahead of time. And so a pregnancy, let's say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're oh, giving yeah. birth to the Super Bowl. And, and the, the one a week for 14 weeks was to bring the Super Bowl experience that people in, in uh, um, less, less fortunate, fortunate areas would probably never get to experience. We brought the Super Bowl experience to them. And uh, the the reason this ties, or it's important that this ties to the arrow system is because the same, imagine the same foundation that somebody can use when they're seven, eight, nine years old. I watched a nine-year-old school a CEO in personality tendencies standing there talking about the brain and how different people, how doers, thinkers, socializers, and relators tend to see things differently. And the CEO of a major corporation was flabbergasted. And then we go out and we talk to this about people, and we'll have senior leaders who oh, I don't think that's too complicated for our folks. So we'll give them nine minutes with Sarah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like we're going to bring this little kid in and let them have a speech. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean that that's the the amazing thing about this technology. Number 1, there's no industry that it's not applicable in. Number 2, there are no boundaries. The the boundaries are the biases of the people that try to either knock it down and not not apply it. That that's been that's been probably one of the most amazing things that I've seen over my several years in our organization is the technology knows no boundaries and it and it doesn't it's not limited to any any single industry. It's it fits everywhere because that task based system that Rob spoke about doesn't matter what task you're doing. You can, you can teach your 14-year-old how to mow the yard using that task-based system. You can have a conversation around that. And with the personality tendencies, if that person is very distracted by other people, 
that's the conversation that you can have. Say, look, you naturally pay attention to those people. You've got to shut, you've got to exercise that personal intervention and not pay attention to those other kids that are trying to draw your attention from across the street. And, and the key is we provide tools to help people do that. So it was fascinating to watch people use their personal intervention wristbands through the Super Bowl. But it's also fascinating to watch kids use them and tell you how they use their pause and play button. You got to meet, Justin, you got to meet a lot of kids that had oh, yeah. pause and play stories, right? Absolutely. And, and we, think that, we think that's just kind of a gimmick. People think that. But the reality is the personal intervention piece of pause and play from a neurological perspective actually helps align the brain to whatever the action is you want to take. So uh, that's a framework of what we call the gateway tool to the advanced error reduction system that then uses the task-based system, that then uses the essential leadership cycle, that that we can uh, um, we can then help the organization really function better. And like Ray said, you know we we're pretty well known for our safety, especially fatality, serious life altering injury prevention. Um, you know we we're pretty well known globally for that. But there's no reason that uh, service and retail companies shouldn't be using this to help retain people to help create a better experience for their customers. We like to say there's three things that you really need to think about. Number one, somebody doesn't get hurt. Number two, something doesn't get broken. And number three, somebody ain't happy. And if you think about those three things, I struggle with what doesn't fall into one of those categories for any industry. I don't care whether you're a municipality or a um, police department or emergency services where we're working with the folks down in Houston or um, a dentist or somebody at one of the major retailers. Those three things tend to matter. And there may be a fourth and a fifth, but I think they're fourth and fifth. So um, it was always my goal to create something, and now we're kind of back to the family business thing, that was not just about creating a family business. Okay, the family needs a business, so here's what we'll do. But to create something that really makes a change in the way people approach um, life and and how businesses run, improving companies and lives through the creative application of technology. This is The Jay Allen Show. Register for the 2020 Human and Organizational Performance Hop Summit today. The 2020 Hop Summit will be held on June 9th through the 11th, 2020 at the Weston Houston Memorial City in Houston, Texas. It will be an unforgettable learning event dedicated to moving from principles to practice through sharing and discussion of human and organizational performance, implementation, and deployment strategies. The 2020 Hop Summit will feature experts, thought leaders, and safety and health professionals who have significant experience deploying Hop. The educational sessions, workshops, roundtable discussions, and networking experience will provide extraordinary opportunities to learn and the rare opportunity to connect and build relationships with others deploying Hop in industry. The 2020 Hop Summit will target safety and health professionals, workers, and operational leaders at all stages of their Hop journey. From beginning to advanced. To register or to learn more about this one-of-a-kind event, go to 
H-O-P.O-R-C-H-S-E.com. That's H-O-P.O-R-C-H-S-E.com. The more you listen, the more we get into your head. Safety, Safety. FM. And we're back with the Fishers from AeroHP.com here on the Jay Allen Show. So let's talk about that for a moment, because this is where I would like to expand a little bit of the conversation as well. When you talk about arrow, you talk about arrow as hop done right. And I can say that some of the other people don't like that you word it that way. And that's yeah. perfectly fine. Um, but it's also one of those things that when you start talking about the technology, you cover so many different aspects that I've been to other presentations and conferences that they don't seem to cover as much information. So why did you decide to start calling it? hop done right what was the idea behind it being as you're do a lot of things with intention well it was <laughs> thanks for that um it's interesting because originally the the focus for us was never on the word right it was on the word done so it was supposed to be hop done right in other words there are things you have to do as humans we fall into a category where some of us like the who, some of us like the what, some of us like the how, some of us need the why. The part that needs to be done is what do I do with all this hop information that's out there? So it was hop done right. And then what got shifted a little bit was this is hop done right. In other words, this is the only way hop should be done right. It was never really our intention. Our intention was to say that there are things that need to be done to integrate the concepts of human organizational performance into the day-to-day work in a way that you get sustainable, sustainable improvements. That's what we were going for. We believe that it's right to do all of those things, encapsulated and integrated into the incident analysis, facilitated improvement teams, the way you do written guidance, uh, the way you assess your performance, the way you function as a leadership team. That's how you do hop right. So all we were saying was that our technology integrates all the things that you need to do right to do hop well. And we, we need to mark this section on the episode that way for the other people that like to listen and see what you're doing. They can take a listen to that particular portion yeah. on what you intended behind it. Well, I mean, you know, I, it got a little bit out of control. The first time it got out of control was when I went down to Australia and, and there were some people that didn't know who we were. So they didn't realize we had deployed 20 times in Australia successfully. But since we didn't market, we didn't talk about what we did. The, those companies were successfully deploying what other people were calling some of the hop concepts. And they, I guess they felt it was a, an infringement on what they were doing for hop and, and because they hadn't heard of us, apparently we didn't exist, but the reality is, you know, we're now 40 countries in and 10 different languages. So we've got a bit of hop behind us. Uh, and we realized that human and organizational performance is just an expansion of the old human performance. That is an expansion of human factors. That is an expansion of quality and lean or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it else it is. They're all, they're all different versions of the same core science-based pro, uh, pro, processes. Um, 
but for us, we kind of became known as the practical applications folks. Okay, that's, that's all good. How do you practically apply that across all that spectrum? In other words, how do you do it right? That's kind of where that came from. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, and it really is a holistic approach because if you want that, if you want those sustainable results, you have to have something that's going to be sustainable. If, if all you go out is, and do a bunch of training and, and educating people, great. That's one step. Right. How do we then embed those concepts into the things we're doing so that it becomes the way we do business or the way the organization does business? That's what has to happen for that sustainability and resilience to come, come to fruition. Well, let me ask a couple of strange questions here, and I'm, this is what I'm going to ask you to pull out your crystal ball. What do you see being the next change coming about in the industry? What do you see coming up, especially you kind of being out there quite a bit as of late? What are you seeing changes and people are focusing on? Well, one of the one of the more interesting things that I've that I've seen is uh, from people that we've started to talk to is is a place called the Center of Visual Expertise. How do we teach people to see things differently? So now you take how do you see things differently or how to see things with some of their proprietary methodology that they teach. They teach uh, a safety space workshop in an art museum. So they're using art to teach people how to see things more safely. And I attended one of their two-day workshops and immediately saw some synergies in how we can integrate the arrow concepts into how to see things differently. How do we open our aperture and look at things differently? So that's one thing that I've, that I'm seeing. I actually spoke at the Cove conference and I've had several people reach out to me after that conference saying, man, I really liked how you integrated what you learned from them into your speech not only that you talked about what other people talked about and all i did was sit there and listen to the other speakers and put some of their stuff into my talk and did that kind of on the fly and got a really good response from the attendees so that center of visual expertise is something that i've seen of late that is really gonna help expand people's vision for lack of a better term and see things differently. Now, of course, Justin, I'm going to torture you with the same question. What are you, what are you seeing, especially now you know that you've been in this for a little bit and you've seen some, some of the changes over the last six years going on to year seven now. What are you seeing that's going to be the change to you? What do you think the next change will be in the space? I don't know if change is really the right word. Uh, if I'm looking into a crystal ball and seeing the future. For I'm going to ask for lottery numbers too at the end, so don't forget. Okay, great. <laughs> um, it really is arrow for me. Um, from everything that I've learned over the past seven years, uh, the arrow technology really has almost all, if not all, bases covered um, in so many different areas. <clears throat> and so I really just want to see uh, us as a company, it's also a personal mission, uh, of improving companies and lives. So we ask ourselves, where can we improve companies and lives? Where can we apply this technology? Um, so we think about the medical industry where there's upwards of 200,000 fatalities 
uh, due to medical error each year. Absolutely, we want to start working with arrow and medical. Um, service and retail. Um, being able to help organizations retain employees and having a, a happier, uh, more well-adjusted workspace uh, just by people understanding uh, themselves and understanding others better. Um, the list just goes on and on. Uh, it can really be applied anywhere, so it's just being able to get out there and uh, market effectively so that people know that we actually exist. So, Rob, I'm going to ask you kind of a similar question, but you've seen so many changes throughout the years that we're at kind of a, at a different point from where you started to where you are now. So polish up that crystal ball real quick, and what do you think? I think there's two or three things that I think people have paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to big companies that have or they think have a lot of money. Uh, because those companies generally control the major um, perception of risks, whether they're large utilities or large manufacturing organizations. I think one of the next things you're going to see, and one of the things that we're trying to do as well, is to create a service that is both affordable and understandable by companies that can't afford what most people are doing today. Um, in other words, it, just in the U.S., and I'll, I'll probably get these numbers wrong. Justin's done more research on them than I have. But there may be 1,000 to 5,000 big companies that are out there looking for something like Hop or Arrow. There's 15 million small businesses. In every one of those, they come across some kind of risk, whether that risk is safety risk, financial risk, competitive risk. And I think that because of that holistic approach that Ray talked about and because of the, the way Justin talked about not trying to be market-specific about it, that giving those organizations the capability to have something that makes their lives and companies better is a real function of where we're going. So that's number one is the creation of something that is less of a product and more of a, I don't know how else to describe it, but more of a service to the capabilities of smaller organizations. The second thing that I see is that we will start to pay attention to the millennials and Gen X's and Gen Z's, and I don't know what's after Z because I'm a okay boomer guy. <laughs> but um, whatever that is, we're starting to try to pay attention to what those folks need. I mean, as I travel out there, there are less and less people of my age group. I'm in my early 60s. There's less and less people of my age group making more and more decisions and and we need to make sure that they learn what we've learned over the last 25 years and learn it early in their careers. That'll completely change the way they approach the workplace. So these new managers that are millennials and Gen Xers and, and younger people, smart, brilliant people, are not, I don't know that we're adequately 
catering sounds wrong, but I don't think we're meeting their needs. So we're, we're trying to figure out ways to improve their companies and lives through the creative application of technology that they understand. Hence things like the ready app for your phone and, um, any Lumi task for, for being able to do uh, effective high risk tasks on a, on a tablet and be able to share all of that. Um, so we've gone into the, the, uh, market of trying to make things technological. I mean, it's in our name for crying out loud, Fisher Improvement Technologies. Um, and then the third thing is we need to back it up so that 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds, maybe we start in elementary school with kids being educated in their e-colors and personality tendencies. And as they move into middle school, they start to understand how and why people make mistakes and and what they can do about it and how personal intervention fills into that. So that by the time they get into a STEM program, a, um, a science, technology, engineering, and math program, maybe we don't weed out some of those creative kids because they don't fit in a traditional STEM mold like, say, me. And not that I could fit in that mold, but I just think there's so many youth being left behind that have the talent and capabilities that are being shrouded by something as simple as the way their personality interacts with others that who knows what's being left on the table. I mean, we only know what that now we're moving into STEM. Tim is a good thing. And, and I believe that's true. What's that next step? Why are our safety professionals that graduate with a degree in some kind of industrial safety, um, regimen not coming out knowing all of the attributes of human error human performance human and organizational performance advanced error reduction in organizations why we need to understand the fallibility of humans why are, why is that not core function of any safety um safety collegiate program out there so those are the three things that I think are probably next on the horizon. I don't have a crystal ball beyond that because at some point I think I'm, I'm going to sit back and watch these guys run with it. <laughs> but, but I think that we're – I think we have active discussions over those three things pretty often yeah. and, our, and our big, hairy, audacious goals yeah. for the organization and Arrow try to reflect at least those three and – I, I think that we're pretty progressive in wanting to get out there in the very near future and ask, what do you need, market? Not, you know, it was great. Steve Jobs tells us what we need. <laughs> and, but at some point, I also believe that the market knows some things that it needs um, that we can probably help provide because we do have 25 years of experience of understanding the science behind it. I hope that's the answer to the question you were looking for. Now I'm looking for a lot of numbers at the end, yeah, too. Well. <laughs> now, and, and, it's, and it's really good because I think that the focal points that you're mentioning is stuff that we are lacking. And I keep on looking at it, and I know that you and I, and as a matter of fact, all of us in this room have had that millennial conversation several times um, in regards that I think that it's a, a market opportunity that a lot of companies are missing, and it's really that it's not being targeted to correctly, if I can yeah. say that. Hell, if we're not careful, the millennials are going to pass us by. I mean, the millennials are going to be, you know, what the millennials are going to be baby boomer age by the time we figure it out if we don't start doing something about it. 
Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys taking the time today, especially actually coming some of the information. Now, if people want to get more information about Arrow, where would they need to go? Arrowhp.com. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I really do appreciate you all coming on to Safety FM. Thanks, Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Well, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to a close. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this particular episode that allowed us to find out how people that are related can still manage to work together well. And we took a deeper dive into advanced error reduction in organizations. We couldn't do what we do without you, the listener. So I appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back with another episode of the Jay Allen Show before you know it. Goodbye for now. We are changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. SafetyFM.com. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to SafetyFM.com. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required.